When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As we go into the world of the haters. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I don't know what happened between Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul, but it is not cool between the two of them. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. CP can't guard nobody, man. What we call him? Cone. The Rich Eisen Show. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Earlier on the show, CBS Sports broadcaster Jim Nance, Basketball Hall of Famer Chris Bosch, host of the Greenlight Podcast, Chris Long, coming up, author Alan Shipnuck, and now, it's Rich Eisen. All right, hour number three, the Rich Eisen Show is on the air here on the program. What great chats we've had so far with Chris Long talking some football and talking life with him and Chris Bosch. That was such a great conversation in hour number two to kick things off of the NBA Conference Finals um, tier that gets kicked off tonight with the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and also the Heat. What Went down got, memory you, lane there. What do, what do you Chris? got in this series, Mitch? What do you think happened? I don't know, man. I, I, I thought your C's were in trouble. Yeah, I thought so, too. But, you know, um, but they they beat the team that, um, you know, that had Giannis. And now here comes the Heat, a team that, you know, um, I didn't think needed to break themselves up for Giannis. I'm worried about and coming I, I, out slow tonight. Uh, it was a well, pretty Marcus physical. Well, Marcus Smart might not play. Yeah, he's got a swollen foot right now. But Lowry's out, so the flopathon will... Be delayed for like a game or two. Oh, very good. That's <laughs> I mean, that's your opinion on that. Two one. of the biggest floppers in, in basketball, well, I can admit. If so. you miss the coverage of the Rich Eisen Show coverage of the uh, NBA draft lottery that goes down tonight, go to our YouTube page. I, I think I'm very proud of it. <laughs> very very proud of it. As we should be. Yeah. Um, Emmy nominated for a reason. No, anytime that we get the chance to say the words Anderson Verajdal on the program, we will proudly take that opportunity. He's representing the Cavs tonight, who have a point five percent chance, the Dumb and Dumber chance tonight. Get the first overall selection in the NBA uh, draft lottery. Let's go. So that goes down tonight. We uh, we also chatted in hour number one with Jim Nance. Again, zero years old that I knew that Jim Nance and uh, Austin Eckler shared the same birthday. Also, happy birthday to the natural. Well, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. It's his birthday today as well. <laughs> uh, Jim Nance was uh, heading off to Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's calling the PGA Championship. Um, won last year by Phil Mickelson. As we all know, he is not there this time around and one of the many reasons why he is not there uh is a quote that was uh um uh, published in the new book phil um by our friend back here on the rich eisen show on the mercedes-benz vans phone line the man who wrote this book a fascinating tome 
Joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show, none other than Alan Shipnunk. How you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Are you Happy to be back? Good, to, to, glad to have you back. Are Are you in Tulsa right now? Are you there? Yep. Yes, I'm. I'm on the grounds of Southern Hills Country Club. A okay. Very stately, golden age design. It's going to be one hell of a venue for for this tournament, and I'm excited to be here. Well, let's get right into it, uh, Alan. Um, you know, your book, uh, Phil, the rip roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar is a fascinating read, man, and you just jump right into it by, uh, I guess, uh, collecting some of the best Phil stories from uh, so many different people from the world of golf and also sports as well. I didn't, you know, think that Tom Candiotti would be the first guy that you would, quote, have a Phil story to start the book, but obviously Phil has been there and done that. So uh, what do you make of the fact that Phil is not there this week, Alan? I mean, it's a bummer for for all of us. We we love watching Phil play the game, and you know, last year's PGA was was a transcendent performance and really put an exclamation point on on an incredible career. And um, but uh, the the ground has shifted beneath his feet, and I think that uh, Phil is just buying some time to figure out his next move. You know, he's caught between two worlds of the PGA Tour and this new Saudi venture, and uh, he's he's been heavily involved in the creation of the Saudi. A league, even as he, you know, the tour has been this, this tremendous platform for him to to build his brand and, and over over the last three decades. And um, you know, he's also he went from a from a, a fan favorite to kind of a heel turn and and a little bit of a bad guy. And I, I know that's got to be disorienting for Phil. So he just wasn't returned to pub. He wasn't ready to return to public life and answer the hard questions and have to declare his allegiance to one tour or the other. So. Um, it's pretty clear that the Saudis and the PJ Tour are going to wind up in court, and that's, the future of of that is, is is undetermined. And I think Phil just wants to be on the sidelines a bit longer and see how it's all going to play out. Well, uh, I, I don't know. I guess where to start is um, you know because obviously the quote that is in your your book that uh, you published um, on the in the Fire Pit Collective a couple of months ago that led to your previous appearance here. Um, uh, Greg Norman uh, came out uh, last week and talk about sports washing. I mean, he treated what uh, the Saudi government and everything in in the real world that Phil talked about in stark honesty. He talked about it like, you know, you got to move on. And he treated it like a, a missed five foot putt. You know, Greg Norman, how come Phil's getting so much grief for stuff that Greg Norman appears to not? Yeah, I mean, there is there is an element of um, hypocrisy in all this because many players have gone over to Saudi Arabia over the last five years and taken money from from the Saudis and appearance fees and then this European PGA Tour event that's played annually. And they've skated. There's a script. And if you stay on script, you're going to be okay, where you just say, I'm here to grow the game, and we're bringing golf to people who haven't seen it, and it's a great vehicle for bettering oneself, and... I'm an athlete, not a politician. Everybody rolls their eyes. They know they know it's BS, but and they're just there for the money. But if you if you if you stay on script, you can get away with it. Phil said the, the quiet parts out loud, and he was so blunt and he was so callous in dismissing the Saudi atrocities. And, and he, you know, he also was very, um, you know, for him to admit, you know, kind of these sneaky backroom dealings against his home tour. That was a big deal as well. So I, I think it was the double whammy of Phil being too honest and the fact that he's, 
he's really in some ways been subverting his, his home tour. That's why people are outraged. And, and let's face it, I mean, Phil Mickelson is a huge star. Like, Lee Westwood in some ways has become the face of the Saudi Golf League, but he doesn't inspire emotion the way that, that Phil does. He does. He's not a he's not a global figure. I mean, Phil has been one of the best golfers in the world for more than three decades. It is unparalleled longevity in any sport, and uh, so what he says just carries more weight. And he's always been a lightning rod. He's always been polarizing, and this is just another controversy in a career that's been full of them. So what is the future of it? You said that uh, there's a court case coming up and and Phil's waiting to see how everything lands before he re-emerges. Is that the scoop? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been filed yet, but, the, um, you know, with the, the golfers like to call themselves independent contractors, but they're really not because when, when you sign up as a member of the PGA Tour, which makes you eligible for all these humongous, bonus programs and the best pension program in sport. Um, if you want to play in a, in a competing event on another tour that's opposite a PGA Tour event, you have to get permission from the tour. And there's always been a little bit of a dance where sometimes the tour will extract some promises like, okay, you can do that, but you have to play these tournaments over the next few years. And it's always been bothersome to the players, but they accept it because the rewards of tour membership are so great. Um, a bunch of players applied for releases to go play the first Saudi event next month. And the tour took a very hard line and said no. And so now it's one of the big questions in the sport. Who's going to break the blockade? Who's going to go over there and play anyway? And they will likely get suspended by the tour. And then there'll be a lawsuit on antitrust reasons. Can, can the PGA Tour really restrict these players who are independent contractors in theory from playing other tours? And it, that's why this is such an explosive issue in golf, because it, it can reshape the entire landscape of the professional game. And it, it could be a seismic shift in how each of these tours conducts their business. And so there is a heck of a lot at stake for the tours, their sponsors, the players, and, and every other stakeholder in the game. And so that's why the players have been so upset with Phil. It's not about morality. It's not about human rights. It's that... He's doing things that could impact them business-wise. Like he could be taking money out of their pocket because if you're a tour member, and this, and this this competing Saudi circuit becomes successful and it starts attracting you know blue chip corporate sponsorship and TV contracts, that's money that's getting siphoned away from the PGA Tour. And now the purses start falling. You're playing for less money, and the superstars might benefit because those are the ones who are being courted by the Saudis. But if if you're kind of a rank and file tour member. This could directly impact your livelihood. So the criticism that, that Phil came under from his colleagues, it wasn't really because uh, they're upset that he's, he's you know, negotiating with these, these bad actors on the world stage. It's because it could affect their pocketbook. Alan Shipnuck, the uh, author of Phil, the rip-roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar calling into the Rich Eisen show here so, uh, who, who, you know, obviously we know how the Saudi uh, league would be funded and how Greg Norman is at the forefront of it. Uh, who's televising it? Like, wh- where would we see it if it happens? Like, where, where would that happen? Right now, nobody. They're, they're, they're scrambling to try and get TV and or streaming for this, this first event in, in June that's being played outside of London. And somebody may take them up on the offer, but that's a piece of the puzzle that they haven't, they haven't figured out. And um, you know, the Saudis are playing the long game. They have unlimited resources. So hmm. it's 
been a little bit of a dumpster fire to start here. They haven't gotten the, the big-name players they'd hoped. They haven't secured the TV. But the insidious thing about sports washing is that it works because if they can just get this thing launched, all of a sudden you're going to have some B-list pro is going to go over there and he's playing for $25 million while the competing PC Tour event, the person, is $8 million. And this is a guy you beat every week, and now all of a sudden he's going to win $4 million bucks for three days of work. Um, there's going to be a lot of, of established pros who decide they want to get in, get in on that action. And so I think the Saudis know that if they can just get this circuit launched and maybe prevail in court, that in year two they're going to get bigger and better players. And in year three it'll just continue because you can – you can only express your moral outrage so many times, and then it gets tiresome and people tune you out. And th- that's, what, that's why sports washing works, because people just at some point throw up their hands and say, okay, I guess the Saudis have now bought their way into professional golf, like they have Formula One, like they have uh, you know, uh, the EPL, they have big-time darts and snooker contests over there. Like They will do anything they can to launder their reputation by bringing big-time events and it, it, it works. That's the problem. So they're not going away. I mean, they, they have unlimited resources and they have time on their side. Well, it's it's affected uh, the current state of golf already in the fact that the reigning PGA champ, after one of the most uh, endearing and uh, exciting championships, have is not there. I mean, again, I can't believe it's been a year when I just remember we were all coming out of uh, a lot of quarantines and just seeing Phil being surrounded and Brooks Kepka being jostled with that surgically repaired knee by a bunch of uh, patrons, to use the master's phrase, just surrounding Phil uh, with his big aviators and flashing the grin and the thumbs up, and he's not there. So what is the general sense of things uh, at Southern Hills a couple days before the first ball flies? Yeah, there's a void here. I mean, that really was a defining performance by Phil. And um, there's a sense of disbelief. You know, it, whether Phil was suspended or took a voluntary leave, uh, it's pretty clear that was that's just semantics. I mean, the PJ Tour put him on ice. and But it was now been 90 days since those first comments. Um, 90 days has been the typical length of a serious PJ Tour suspension in the past. Even though they don't talk about these things publicly, it's like the Kremlin. But... <laughs> enough information has leaked out. We know how they handle their, their business. It would have been wildly excessive to suspend Phil for longer than that. He didn't break any laws. Now, he, he did violate some unwritten rules, and he did violate the player handbook, uh, which says you are not you can't work to, uh, against the business interests of the tour, but ultimately, he's been squeaky clean from a tour standpoint. This is, this is his first major offense. Like, um, If Phil had wanted to play this PGA championship, he would be here. Because the PGA of America is not the PGA Tour. They're different organizations. And the PGA of America, which runs the tournament, does not have to abide by anything the tour says. Phil's defending champ. He's exempt into the field. They would never have barred him, uh, the PGA of America, from playing in their own tournament. And it would have been a ratings bonanza, his return to the public, to the public you know, domain. So um, I think this was Phil's choice. And I think it tells you that he's just not ready to face the tough question. He's not ready to declare his allegiance, and he's still kind of game planning the best way to return to uh, public life. Uh, any communication between you and Phil in the last ninety days, Alan? After the excerpt dropped, he, he sent me a text in which he expressed his displeasure, and um, 
I wrote him back. He didn't respond, and then subsequently went back to him. The text never went through, and talking to other people, uh, theirs aren't going through, so it's pretty clear he, he changed his number. But I did send him a copy of the book uh, weeks ago with a handwritten note, and uh, you know I wanted him to see what was in it before the public, and if, uh, if he was worried about coming back this week in case there was going to be any other earthquakes, I wanted him to see it as a very fair and balanced book. It was actually written with a good amount of affection because I've always enjoyed writing about Phil and being in his, you know, on watching him do his thing and being in his orbit. And so, um, you know, and I said that in, in my in my note to him. What I have not gotten a critique on the book from him yet, so that, that may be forthcoming. But hmm. um, you know, he's 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 in San Diego. He's playing golf every day. I, I've had people sending me photos and videos of him at. Rancho Santa Fe Golf Club and the bridges and the farms, like all these private courses in the San Diego area. And his swing looks good. You know, it looks like he's put on a little bit of weight, which is fine. He's got a little bit of a beard, but uh, he's coming back to the game. Um, but that doesn't mean he's ready to return to, to public life. So uh, it's going to be fascinating his next move. And, you know, there's some real, some real milestones. You know, the first is the Saudi event in early June. The week after is the, the U.S. Open, which we all know is you know an annual psychodrama for Phil, the missing piece of the career Grand Slam, and he was out of the field until he won the PGA Championship. Now he has a five-year exemption to try and get that last crown jewel, right? And um, if he skips the U.S. Open when he's exempt into the field, you know that this the self-imposed exile is is serious. Um, but again, I he, I think right now he's just buying time and he's waiting to see how things are going to play out with the Saudis and. Uh, he's waiting to see if other players are gonna are gonna be the first one out of the bunker or um, to try and test um, the tour's resolve. And there's just there's just uh, the landscape is changing rapidly, and Phil's Phil's caught in the middle of all of it. And uh, he's just buying himself some more time. Well, I guess one of the ways, Alan, to to change the narrative, if you are running the PGA Championship is to put Tiger, McElroy, and Spieth together uh, right out of the box to start things off on Thursday and have them play together for two days. How do you think Phil's going to look at that and let that sink in over the next couple of days, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some FOMO. You know, he's a, he's a, he, he loves the big stage. He's a showman, and he thrives on the energy of the crowd, and Nobody's signed more autographs than Phil Mickelson over the last three decades. So he, he likes to feel that love, and it's gonna. I think I think it's gonna be very bittersweet for him. But uh, you know, it's just Phil has cre- he's created this mess with his, you know the secret dealings with the Saudis, and uh, and now it's just gonna have to play out. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sure it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for him not to be here. And it's honestly a great golf course for him the way they've. They set it up with uh, instead of long, tangly rough around the greens. It's shaved down swales, and you really need a lot of touch and imagination and, and short game talent. And uh, it would it would have been great to, to to watch Phil, you know, try and navigate this course. And so, yeah, if, if he tunes in, and he sees those three guys out there, knowing that he, you know, he probably should have been in that group. But it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be very bittersweet for him. Well, uh, congrats on your book. Um, again, just as a, an example of you pointing out that um, you know uh, it was written with a with a with a, a level of endearment. Um, just that that first chapter. I don't want to give too much away with you just unloading everybody's favorite Phil story 
I was waiting for it to turn at some point to, you know, the the stories of a guy with a great sense of humor and then a huge heart talking to people who's, you know, uh, dealing with cancer and things like that. Just a story where he would be an a-hole and it, it doesn't happen. Like you don't you don't have it in there, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as, as I said, like my goal was always to write a really fair, balanced book. And because of some of the you know, there's been all this energy around the excerpts and some of the juicy bits. I mean, I enjoyed writing about Phil's virtues, and he's, he's, he's done a lot of great things in his life, and he touched a lot of people, and that's all in the book, too, and it's not my, it was not my intention or my job to legislate how, how people should feel about, about Phil. I just tried to present as comprehensively as I could this, this really big, complicated life, and people will take from it uh, what, what they will, and I try to stay out of the way of the story, but yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that, because uh, people, people have said, is this, is this a takedown of Phil? You know, it was never intended to be that. And, uh, you know, the, some of the blowback and some of these repercussions that have come out of the things he told me, I, you know, I knew, I knew it was going to provoke controversy. I never imagined it would send him into exile. And, you know, Phil talked his way out of many controversies in the past. And, and I, I assumed he would do the same thing. But uh, I think he wildly underestimated the emotion around Saudi Arabia, uh, which did supply 15 of the, the 19... 9-11 hijackers, and, you know, they, they did assassinate a Washington Post reporter who was a resident of the United States, and uh, Phil thought he was being a cagey businessman and, and was, and was in, engaging in these hardball negotiations, but uh, I don't think he estimated, well, I know he didn't, that the, the emotional reaction, the, that he was in league with the Saudis, and so uh, he, he made some fundamental miscalculations, but um, there is a road back for Phil. I mean, Tiger Woods has never been more beloved than he is at this moment, despite his scandals. And and Phil, Phil can can feel that love again as well. But what he decides on the Saudi question is going to be fundamental because if he goes all in with them after all the things he says and us knowing his true feelings, it's going to be hard for a lot of golf fans to forgive him. And so that's why I think he's taking a little extra time to make that decision because it's really going to define this last act of his career. Alan, thanks for the time. Enjoy the uh, the walk there. It's uh, uh, Southern Hills, and let's have you back on soon as this develops. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a great conversation, Rich. Thank you. Right back at you. That's Alan Shipnuck, the author, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'll just give you one example. Again, uh, this the book sucks you right in. Well, one story I, I, after another, after I'm another, after another. Here, here, here's, here's, here's uh, out of all, I mean, there's about 50 of them to start, it feels like. Yeah. Here's the one I enjoyed the most. From Brant Snedeker. I'll read it to you real quick. It's just one quick quote. Right after Phil won the British Open in 2013, the tour was in Akron. Okay. Which oh. I know, that's oh. the Hall of Fame. Been to that. Okay? Great event. On Tuesday night, I'm driving to dinner and a stoplight. Phil pulls up next to me. What are the chances, right? We roll down the windows and he yells, hey, buddy, where are you going to dinner? I told him I was meeting some people. He asks if I want to join him, but I say I can't. He's like, that's too bad because we're going to be drinking something special out of this. He starts waving around the claret jug, (laughs) smashes the gas, and then takes off. I'm sitting there shaking my head and laughing like, man, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) We'll take a break right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Joe Burrow has spoken. Joe Cool. Yes, indeed. He has spoken today uh, and so much more. There's still to come right here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, including Del Tufo's real Real brother. brother. Blue checkmark coming up. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, 
O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Our friends at Callaway want to remind you, because when you start watching big-time tournaments like this PGA Tournament, we've had Jim Nance on now and Alan Shipnuck, and they both said how beautiful this course is going to look like, right? And you're just going to want to go out and play golf, and Callaway has got the stick that has been built to completely bomb it. It is the new Rogue ST driver that's been speed-tuned to be Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. There's four different types. There is one that suits your game, I guarantee you. Certainly since there's one, the Max, that is uh, a combination of incredible combination of distance and forgiveness. So that really is kind of an omnibus stick, if you will. There's one... Uh, that's a dedicated draw model, the Max D. There's one with a stronger trajectory, more neutral ball flight, the Max LS. The Rogue SD Triple Diamond LS is the compact low spin head that the tour players love. So John Rahm and the rest of them that get out there from Team Callaway, um, you're going to see. Him. You're going to probably see him out. Yeah, John Rahm's your guy, right? You guy, took TMG. Xander Shoffley, Christopher. You take him. Uh, Who'd you take? Yeah, I took yeah, Xander Shoffley. Xander I have Sam Burns. Like, let's go, fellas. Here we Come go. On now. Uh, go to our Twitter handle later on today to see uh, how we all drafted players for uh, the Rich Eisen Show putting contest. Eventually, that we'll finish up when the a major season's all over. In the meantime, just go to CallawayGolf.com/slash/GoRogue to find your Rogue ST driver for you. Um, Joe Burrow has spoken. Joe Burrow has spoken. We spoke to Jim Nance earlier today. We talked to Jim about all... Jim? We talked about it, Jim. We talked about it with Jim. The number of games on the CBS schedule that are deemed notable, that have the Bengals B on it, 
significant games. Significant. Bengals at Cowboys. Chiefs at Bengals. Bengals at Bucks. Bengals at Patriots. Bengals at Titans. That's just five right there. Amazon has a Thursday night game. Bengals and Dolphins. Tua and Burrow. Like we're back in college again. With our boy Blue. <laughs> Triple Lindying back to school. It's because the Bengals are an outstanding team that went to the Super Bowl and then went about fixing their problem on the offensive line in free agency and then just drafted just to fine-tune things. Uh, when was the last time the Bengals fine-tuned things? <laughs> you know what? We could just, just fine-tune things. It's been a long time. Which is kind of what Joe Burrow said about his game. All right. Joe Cool, by the way, showed up, I believe, in a, his, his uniform, in his, okay. in his jersey. So it's not like he's in some pumpkin. Tiger coat or something. Uh, yeah, he's not in some sort, of, some sort of pumpkin three-button. <laughs> That's, by the way, long-distant cousin of uh, Johnny Two Times, his pump, pumpkin three-button. <laughs> Go get the pumpkin, get the pumpkin. Get the pumpkin, get the pumpkin. The pumpkin, the pumpkin. All right, uh, here's what Joe had to say to me. This is my first offseason in the NFL, so I've, you know, been able to, to take advantage of, the, of that with as far as my body and my throwing and my mind and all that. It's been, you know, obviously I've been grinding, but it's also been relaxing and I have to worry about am I going to be ready for the season? I can just focus on getting my body right, making sure I'm healthy, and then relaxing. Last offseason, it was rehab and it was the deep ball. What, what's your main thing you're focused on improving this offseason? Really, it's just my entire game at this point. Um, we can hold things here and there. Uh, at this point, I'm not going to have a big overhaul of anything that I'm doing. I'm just looking to refine my entire game as a whole. I mean, when was the last time the Bengals were just fine-tuning and tweaking? That's all we're doing. 82? Uh, honestly, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Ken Anderson is the personification of what's happening. Normally, as he said, not an overhaul. Normally, that's the that's the off season word for the for the Bengals. It's either an overhaul or the fans were demanding one from an obstinate owner that wouldn't do it, whether it was the wrong coach or the wrong roster or the wrong quarterback. Some stubborn guy whose dad. Created the team. No, I mean, that helps. Right? Whose dad's like, you know, are they... By the way, kids, they call the Craven Browns not because they like the color. <laughs> right. And, and, and the jungle, they, they, they're just old school. They were called the jungle, but they still don't have... Do they have a, um, a deal to, for the stadium? Bengals? Yeah. No. Paul Brown Stadium. Right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it? I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> they might have finally gotten keeping up with the Joneses figuratively and literally. Nope. Paul Brown Stadium. There you go. Yeah. Like... <laughs> and so that's how stubborn this guy is. He doesn't, he doesn't want $20 million. Mike Brown in the <laughs> like, first owners meeting I ever went to, they voted. This how long ago it was. 2004, NFL Network started November of 03. We were at the Breakers in 04. They voted on making instant replay permanent. That's how long I've been around. (laughs) That was the big thing at that owner's meeting, making instant replay permanent. I remember Charlie Casserly was on the competition committee. He told the owners, hey, everybody's going to have some big, huge 4K, you know, big 3 
4K or whatever it was at the time, screen at home, high definition <laughs> screen at home. They're seeing it at home. We might as well have it in our game. Everybody's seeing it. It's well, kind of worked. You have to do it in Charlie's voice, though, Rich. See here, you got this big television here, and you got a football there, and you got a foot, you got a foot there. And they're gonna see it, and we're gonna. And you got some Jamal sitting at home; he's seeing it there. We're not gonna see it because you don't want it. And all the owners. One said, "I abstain." Guess who that was? Uh, Well, Al Davis. Davis. And another owner said, "No." Mike Brown said, "No." Like we're we're like. We're sliding down the back of the dinosaur at the end of the, the workday. Using our feet to move our car. That guy. Flintstone. Now has a quarterback who personifies them tweaking, fine-tuning, not an overhaul. And we're all sitting here believing it. Joseph Burrow, everybody. Joey from Athens, Ohio. The Cincinnati savior. And he's so cool about it, too. Yeah, you know what? It's my first offseason, really, because, you know, that thing happened. I got drafted, and there was that pandemic thing, and then, you know, I blew out my knee thing, and then I took him to the Super Bowl, and we're just fine-tuning around here. And, <laughs> and we're like, is that the Bengals quarterback? Yeah, it is. Whoa. Yes, it is. Now then, while we're talking about things that you can't believe, <laughs> <laughs> earlier on the program, previously on the Rich Eisen Show, previously, uh, Mike Del Tufo made it. I, I oh, hold on. Yep. Previously on this program, on. I forced Mike to take public a claim that he has made to all of us off camera, off air. Yeah. And you mean, said, yeah. you know, it, it happened so long ago. There's only a few human beings that can confirm it. How? F- yes. Okay. Well, now you're telling me we, we can't say what it is yet because you told your brother to call in and you did not give him a knucklehead in the back. You didn't give him a frame of reference. I told him not to lead the. Okay. Witness. You said have Frank call in. Exactly. And we the had truth. some fugazi Frank this call in from Chicago guy. and we what told we him to pound sand, get out of exactly. here. Exactly. What do you think you are? I mean, no, fake, there's only one Frank. Frank Del Tufo and he's Chicago. on the show right now. What's up, Frank? How are you guys doing today? We're, do- Frank? We're doing great, Frank. Sounds just like Mike. It does sound like- <laughs> By the way, uh, Hoskins, you got to keep a mic on on camera to make sure that he's not throwing his voice. That this literally is is two different people with the last name of Del Tufo. Frank, do you have any idea why you're calling into the show right now? I, I do not. I actually asked him, but he said I I can't really give you any information because I don't want to lead lead me because remember last time you questioned me he tried to lead me into the question understood okay all right frank del tufo uh mike del tufo who i believe you know uh intimately in a long time mike claims the following (laughs) that back in his running days his track days where he had a six-pack and he was really a fast guy that he had enough speed that given a slight head start Lawrence Taylor himself did not run him down. Frank, your thoughts? I'm trying to think, Rich, to be completely honest. Um, I, I hate to say it. I don't. I really don't remember that. <laughs> no, no, no. He's thinking you said I raced Lawrence Taylor. That's what he's thinking right. you said. Oh, no, no. no. Was he I, said, yes. He said, that's exactly what I thought. That he was yeah. so fast as a kid that if he raced Lawrence Taylor and got a few feet head start, 
Lawrence Taylor would not have been able to catch him. He was that fast. Yay or nay? Not even after a night of Mexican food, Rich. No chance. He's a thief. Are you serious, Frank? I, 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 Mike was fast, but, I mean, LT was pretty fast, too. So he's so taking I, your side. I would, have to, I would have to say that if they were in the forest or yes. the Howard Desert somewhere, that, yes. that Lawrence was going to be eating a good meal after he caught Mike. <laughs> like the Serengeti, like one of those, one yes, of those, yes. one of those Wild Kingdom shows where we watched, yes. uh, where, where, where we watched Darwinism Perkins. at work. Is what you're like saying? The, like on the safari ride in, in uh, Disney World, Mike would have been dead. Lawrence Taylor and Ray Perkins, not Marlon Perkins, but okay, yes. very good, sir. Mike is you're very disappointed in your brother right well, now. Well, because he didn't answer. I mean, you you asked him the wrong thing what first. Do you mean? It was like, yeah. excuse me, no, 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 no. Excuse me. What? He didn't run cross-country with Wait, me. Frank, Frank never ran with me. But, Frank, but you offered him up right. as the a testimonial. He just, he's giving you proof that I ran, and I was. he actually said I was fast. That's not the... No, no, no. You guys still have not won this court case. Wait, wait, time out. What did Lawrence Taylor run the 40 in? That's Does what we need to find out. About 4-6. I looked it up. Yeah. Like... I, like Mike, we could have used the sundial for you, pal. Oh, he's a liar. <laughs> he's such a liar. He's such a liar. My brother Frank. See, this is why. I Frank, my brother. My brother Frank. Frank, Frank Tiltifo. Oh, what happened to your mic? Rich. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Rich's Uh-oh. mic went out. I'm back. Oh, I'm back. Oh, Say hi to your brother for me. Frank, thank you for the call. Job, Appreciate Frank. it. See hey, you next week, time. Frank. Hey, see you next week, hopefully. Have a great flight. Take the, care, guys. The, the great Frank Del Tufo confirming what we all oh, believe. Please. He didn't confirm anything. That you're fast. You yeah, would have been fast, but Lawrence Taylor fast? Get out of here. He's Frank and Chris Brockman could be twin brothers. But they're they not. They admit anything. <laughs> yeah, they could be. But he's your brother. <laughs> yeah, sad. Like the Bengals, you just need to tweak the story a little yeah, bit. Just fine-tune it. You don't need an overhaul because you're fast. Anyway. Just tweak it. That Lawrence Taylor would have tracked you down. Nope. Here's what confuses me. <laughs> Here's what nope. confuses me. Brockman, you can attest to this. We always hear Del Tufo's story, and I know this because he's put it on Twitter a hundred times. As a kid, he wasn't athletic. He didn't play, so he liked to sit there and record the guys playing, and he started to mix, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're an athlete, and you ran track. I have never but that said I'm ne- an athlete. I am as far from being at my scholastic abilities are that of the worst person you've ever seen play a sport. Yeah, and you said no, that multiple now, times, and now you I expect do, me I can, there's to believe that Lawrence Taylor... The- that I could do very well, run and roller skate. And I can. I will have a billion witnesses tell you, I, I was the best roller skater in my rink, like literally, when I was a kid. Did they give out trophies for that? Yeah, or? I used okay. to win races and be put a half lap. My brother Frank was the same. He actually used to get put back because he skated with me. We'd be put back a half a lap behind people and still beat them in the All race. Skate, All skate, guys. All skate. What was the top 40 disco song at the time? When you were doing oh, that. back then, I mean, like, like what, like what, what disco song? Skating? What disco song got you skating the fastest? Disco Duck by Rick Dees. Oh, so many, so many songs. I got too Rick many. Dees Rick Dees nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so many songs. Which there was so song many. when it came on? You're like, I am gonna skate like the. Well, wind. we didn't skate fast. All the music back then was kind of slow, like you oh, know, boy. R&B music. I mean, come on, I got. This entire venture and conversation is just one small gear away from being just the best gear possible. We've just missed that gear, whether it was, whether it was nah, Frank. You missed the gear. You nah. busted my chops. And I, I, at the end of the day, my brother. 
didn't really corroborate my story. He did say I was fast. There is. He actually said the lie. Somewhat corroboration. But that was but fast. Christopher in front of a jury. The jury. No. The jury convicts within no. five minutes, right? Of my peers. A, a jury convicts no, within five right. minutes. Convicts. Convicts what? Uh, is the story to be false? No. Yeah, probably. No, no, no. They, the, no. the jury does not find for the no. uh, for the defendant. I don't believe so. All it takes is one, though, Rich. Yeah, well, it, I could I could get one. All it takes is one. Mike Del Tufo <laughs> is presumed slow until proven fast. <laughs> In this well, court of law, well, we're convicted. My, you'd have to really like. There'd be we, no we, way to prove this. But we'd have presumed to run down slow your, until run proven down fast. Code. Yeah, you're no way to prove gonna, it. We'd have to run Mr. down Mr. some former probably teammates. still alive. He probably <laughs> still coaches the track team at Seton Hall Prep. The problem is, is that we could get LT on the phone. Oh, yeah, and I'll LT going to put. I mean, it's a place like Lawrence Taylor, who's, yeah, who's ne- never heard of, never heard yeah. of Mike Dattufo is going to be LT's club. <laughs> I DJed at LT's club. <laughs> I like you just like gave a point. So like, there you go. Hold on, last There's thing, last thing. Separation. LT, rem- you're, you're claiming no, LT remembers. LT you. will never remember. Okay, very good. Me. All right. Not a chance. I will not. I will not even go there. This is. I know now. From now on, the way I got to do this, I got to stop. Tell the truth. No. I got to stop. No, because I always do. I've proven you guys wrong enough. Uh, but at the end of the day, I got to stop yes. and then reevaluate how I. My problem is I say something too fast. Well, your mind moves. And my mind moves faster than yeah. my mouth. Yes. And what happens is when my mouth gets in. I'm sorry, my mouth moves faster than my mouth. I was about to right. say, your mouth moves and very what happens fast. Is when I He's got that, trouble with speed. <laughs> it sounds like I'm embellishing or lying. And it's I'm actually not. And a lot of my friends will tell you that that's one of my biggest problems. Even when I'm like explaining something to somebody, if I just went and paused, I'd be way better. Dude, we love you. We know, know. exactly who you that's are. What I am. We know exactly what you mean. We know exactly what I you're about. Let's take a break. When we come back, Tiger Woods has spoken. Tiger Woods, y'all, when we come back yeah. on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Alan Dallas back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Albert, Al, I know you want to chime in on you, this. Al. What's go, up, go, Al? Well, no, this is Tommy Del Tufo from Freehold. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I love it, Al. Uh, Mike could roller skate like the wind. Uh, <laughs> he, he wore leg warmers, and he had, he had those four-wheel skates with the stoppers. It was unbelievable. Right? Isn't that right? Yeah, I did. 
No stoppers. What do you think? No breaks. No stoppers. He, he's out of his mind, Richard. I mean, he's he's losing it. <laughs> I can run faster than Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> I mean, the stories. These are awesome. Well, this is this is what you get from a four-time Emmy winner. Emmy, Emmy six, ladies and gentlemen. Six. Six. Don't cut him short. Don't like cut him short. Twenty-five or twenty-eight nominations. Oh my God! Sorry. Well, Al, I love you, brother. Thanks for chiming in, calling him Goodbye. as nuts as he is. There he goes, Alan Thomas. Josh in Omaha. What's up, Josh? You'll take your call. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I uh, hope you guys are well. I am currently uh, sitting with my, my class. They're taking semester finals today, so I'm a high school teacher in Nebraska. So okay. I nice. figured I'd, I figured I'd call. Um, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on if Tiger Woods actually has a chance this weekend. And then also, um, my brother and I have a uh, a podcast, and we grew up watching you on ESPN on Sports Center. And I figured I'd kind of shoot my shot and see if you wanted to be on. Uh, we'd love to have you. It's kind of about sports and life, so um, if you're interested, we'd love to have you on. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I'll say this is the way it's done in Los Angeles. I'll say yes to you now and then not call you back. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Seriously, so, no, no, no. Hold on. We'll put you on hold and 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 put it. Yeah. 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 No. Put you on hold and tell your number to Adam. We'll we'll figure it out. Okay. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. You got it, bud. You take care. That's uh. That's our, our friend and uh, Josh in, in Nebraska. That is the L.A. move, though. Oh, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, of course. We'll make this happen. Okay. The actor's name. Did you find it? Carmine Caridi. He passed away in 2019. He played one of the Rosado brothers, and let's make sure that Good I got this job, right. Rich. That he's in... Um, he did uh, did a Jake and the Fat Man murder, she wrote, so you know him. I got this right. Yeah. Night Court, Simon and Simon, Summer Rental. Hill Street Blues. He had to have done this. Where is? Yeah, I was looking. Well, too. I just looked. The the engineer from the you got the touch, you got the power. I was right. That's Sean Penn's brother. Yes, that's Michael Penn. That's Michael right. Penn. I saw that. I can't find the. Producer. You got the touch. That's it. You, you think the bass yeah. is taken away from can't my voice? Wait. You got the power. The okay. Uh, <laughs> Tiger Woods spoke today in advance of playing in the PGA Championship. Let's check out what he had to say. He was asked if there was a lull between the Masters and this tournament. As we know, it's been a it's been, been about a month. Okay, here's what he had to say. Between the PGA Championship and the Masters, were you, were you able to sort of keep ramping up the training, or did was there a post Masters lull? Yeah, there was a huge lull uh, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. Monday, Monday, uh, it it was not not fun. It it hurt. Uh, a lot of ice baths and uh, just trying to get the swelling out of there. And then uh, we went back at it leg day on Tuesday, and we kept going from there. And I said, let's go. You know, we we figured you the first mountain you climbed was Everest. I mean, that this is the steepest golf course you're going to play. And that was the first one you climbed and climbed. And so it's going to get flatter and better. Um, but still, it, it I still have tough days, and um, things aren't, aren't going to be as as easy as people might think, but uh, I feel like I'm doing better. Um, I'm having more days in which are, are better, more positive, um, able to practice a little bit longer. Um, so I'm able to do do activities and, and things that um, you know, I was hoping to do, and I'm finally able to do them. Hey, man, it's just like Let's th- go, baby. there's no days off. When Monday, you're his age, coming one, back to you Monday, that's it. Yeah, you know what I did? You know, I, I, I did what I did at the Masters, and this is what I did. 
Have you seen? Have you seen the final season of Ozark? Oh my goodness! You <laughs> yeah. know what I did? I just sat on the couch. That's all I did. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, let me tell you something. You think this? You think dead. this physique <laughs> just makes itself? I'll tell you what. Hot pockets. That's my secret. <laughs> what are you gonna pay? He looks <laughs> yoked. I mean, Tom Brady and Tiger Woods ain't stopping at all. Hey, can we just talk about the group that he's in? This group is phenomenal. Spieth, looking for the career Grand Slam. McElroy, two-time PGA winner. Tiger, four-time winner. Let's go. Let's go. I'm with Brockman. 9-11 Eastern time on T number 10 Thursday. So it's nice and early. Oof. Get early going. on the West Coast. But then on well, Friday, that means they'll go late. Friday, right? Friday, they'll go late. Yeah. So that's Tiger. He, five. Man, that's probably like a 4 a.m. wake up for him. Oof. Early. Seriously, you got to get going. Stretch it out. Yeah, he's got to get that body loose. Popping Motrin. I mean, isn't that wasn't that a didn't that? Uh, yeah, that, wasn't that ben a Roethlisberger. What is it? Though we ended up going with that, right? Walking ibuprofen. Walking ibuprofen, but yeah, that was years ago. By the way, the first tea time seven a.m. local in Tulsa. Oh, who's that? John Daly, Sean McKeel, John Daly, Y.E. Yang. First tea time. <laughs> John Daly, you're gonna break, you're gonna get John Daly's no ass up at that time. No Is he just gonna stroll in from an Arby's? So <laughs> what's gonna happen? Uh, his his RV, mean, who knows? Strolling from an RV, it's gonna pop open. The smoke comes out like it's Fast Times at Richmond High, and he'll just stroll out. He'll probably <laughs> tee up his ball on top of a beer can and smoke Boom, it. Boom! Away we go. John Daly's got that tea time. Seven a.m. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Give him a break. Let him sleep in. (laughs) That'll wrap it up for this show. We'll chat Wednesday.